Breaking. 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 Uh, imposter. The imposter. Imposter. Breaking. The imposter. Hey, welcome back for another episode of Breaking the Imposter. I'm your host, Jermaine, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Jordy Graham. He is an experience, a chief experience officer. He mentors professionals in UX research, design, and career strategies. And I also had a pleasure of being one of those people mentored. Um, welcome to the show, Jordy. Thanks, Jermaine. Um, so tell us about yourself. Um, what do you do? And like, yeah, just give us an idea of what you're currently doing. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess like by, you know, historically by profession, I uh, was a, a user researcher. Uh, and I recently have had uh, an opportunity to to kind of, well, it's been a while coming in terms of, of being able to spend my time in addition to being a user researcher, being a chief ex experience officer for uh, Ample Labs, um, which is a, a tech nonprofit helping those facing homelessness, uh, as well as a mentor. So I, I kind of am able to kind of, I've got kind of my day kind of carved off into my different sections. But right now, actually, it's been really nice because I've, I've Based on what's happened with the with the pandemic, I've had actually a lot more time to focus on being uh, my work with Ample Labs and my work in uh, my work with mentoring. Nice. And why why do you want to do that? Why are you currently pursuing that avenue? You know, I think that's a really important question. Uh, I think for me, it was I always kind of look at my kind of like personal brand and, and value, and I, I really believe it and putting people um, first um, and on top of it having the opportunity to kind of like pay it forward um, I wouldn't have been anywhere in my career if it wasn't for people kind of like reaching out and going out of their way and over time to help me and I, I think it's really important that I'm at a position in my career with I've gained enough experience where I can I can really pay that back um, and I think the other thing is is just it's the pandemic, like life is just upside down. Uh, and, you know, the things that you care about are the things that are going to center you. And for me, those, you know, thing working with Ample and, and helping people are kind of the big things that are keeping me kind of sane and stable. It's really nice to hear that regardless of the pandemic being something that everybody was kind of like, oh, no, this is crazy. This is terrible. You were still able to find something yourself that you could still move forward with. And you went to your core values of people, growth of people and helping others that are around you and maybe not directly around you in the work that you do with Ample. Um, tell us about the work that you do at Ample, because you said that you help people. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on what that means? Yeah, sure. So at Ample, I, I'm really focused on looking at the kind of like how the, the user experiences, um, how people are, are using uh, our, our chatbot, um, which is used to, to get services named Chalmers. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at things in terms of like, you know, what's the user experience like? I'm, I'm doing user research projects, you know, trying to understand what people's, uh, you know, needs are and their experiences when they're looking for services it's you know helping out in terms of you know the design and and looking at you know how is the design reflective um with understanding what people are doing understanding people are in a very 
um, you know, the mindset often when they're looking for services, they're, they're really stressed. So it's, it's really key that, you know, you're, you're providing services in a very like decluttered way that's not, you know, really draining on people's like, you know, focus and, and attention. Um, and, and especially since the pandemic, it's actually a lot of understanding, like, how are people getting support and services? Um, you know, how are they getting by? What sort of, you know, tools for assistance are people using? Um, new thing is care mongering, um, which is this concept where people are getting together in social media and providing services and support for people, uh, you know, to a, a huge scale. Like, in, you know, you have mm-hmm. groups that have 25,000 people in them, you know, and people are, you know, asking for various levels of support and it's functioning like a, a support agency. Um, but it's made of, you know, all of these different people. Um, these are brand new things. How, how is this going to work after the pandemic? You know, we have to, we have to understand that because it's, you know, we can't just sit there and look at it in terms of like, you know, how are we looking in through life in the pandemic and getting by is also about what happens later. Um, one thing that, you know, I was talking to someone recently about was the idea of, you know, we, we talk about computing, like, well, what's computing going to look like in 10 years? Um, but, you know, most of the time when we talk about, like, poverty and homelessness, like, people don't want to think about it tomorrow. Like, you know, they want to, you know, like, they, they think about, well, what's going on right now? They're not thinking about, well, what's it going to be like and to be homeless in 2030 and what sort of services or supports you need? And I think it's important for us to be forward-facing about this. Yeah, and I like that you really tied in and kind of let us know a little bit about the services. And I think part of what we're going through right now could increase your market. Uh, it's like, to, for lack of better words, it's like the people are experiencing times where it could be a little bit rougher financially. And how do we not only take care of them during these hard times, but also provide something further out in the future so that they can be hopeful of it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a bit like, not only looking at like how you can address the needs, but it's also looking at, well, what are, what are kind of new solutions that we can have based on the information? You know, like this is the whole idea of using technology enabled solutions is that technology gives us, you know, the ability to collect, um, information that we weren't able to have before and see trends. Um, you know, for example, you know, what we've seen is, uh, you know, uh, on Ample, like a huge increase in um, requests of it and information about food. Um, and, you know, then I go and open up the paper and, you know, you're seeing demand for, for food banks, you know. And so, you know, one of the things around that is, is that, you know, it's that whole idea of you can take different pieces of data, you can see, you know, consistent trends to say, like, you know, this is something that seems to be a universal need uh and, and then looking at it through the other perspective which is you know there's new services that exist that never used to exist you know you've got food banks that are doing delivery now like instacart oh, wow. um which were things that never used to happen before so there is an opportunity to innovate and i, I think one of the big things that what i really connect with with ample um and you know the the past work that i've done with it has been around that, you know, you can, you know, tech isn't just something um, that is a, something that's for profit. Like, you, it can be used to inspire innovation and change. Uh, in Ample's case, like a nonprofit, you know, volunteer-run capacity. Or it could be, you know, used in the charity world. Um, it, it's, we can, we have these skills, uh, and they're really useful. 
and we can apply them to a much wider range of activities than we, we traditionally think of it. Awesome. There's so many things that we can do and haven't been explored. And only now, as you're kind of in it, are you really seeing the value of what are other ways that we could help help people? What are other places doing? How do we connect with those services that they have, right? Exactly. And, you know, we we have skills that, you know, are useful beyond our workplaces. Um I think skills-based skills, skills based volunteering is something that um, often isn't, isn't really considered, you know, and I, I think of a lot of times, um, you know, I've had, you know, chats with friends around, I'm going to do volunteering. I'm like, oh, I do volunteering too. And, you know, a lot of times people think like, oh, you know, when I'm doing volunteering, that it means that like, I'm like handing out food. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing a, a user research project, you know, like. <laughs> Well, that's volunteering. It's like, well, yeah, it, I mean, it's actually a really valuable thing that oftentimes, um, you know, in the traditional, the, the way things are kind of set up, you know, organizations might not necessarily be able to afford, um, you know, tech jobs are, are really, you know, like they're, they are expensive. And so when you think of offering that to a service, um, you know, it, it, it's actually, you're basically, you can give them a huge gift because they might not necessarily have access to it otherwise. And it shows us too, like, you know, in my work with Ample, that by, by doing that, we can actually affect change in a really profound way. Um, you know, and, and that there's more of an opportunity for us to, to do this, to have other, you know, levels of innovation. Yeah. And I, you bring up a very interesting point. And I think a lot of people within the tech world, don't really consider doing skilled-based volunteering or have even known that skilled-based volunteering is worth it in the end, like quote-unquote worth it. So how has volunteering for Ample Labs help you progress within your own career and own, and the way that you look at your career? Yeah, you know, it's, it's I remember when I first started um, with Ample Labs, and I was working in a job um, that I did a lot of evaluative user research, um, but not very much generative user research. So I was doing a lot of usability testing, but it really wasn't doing a lot of opportunities for doing user interviews. Uh, and then when I started working at Ample, uh, you know, and doing volunteer work with them on the research projects, I was, I was, you know, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to like try out some skills and get some experience in this kind of area that I wasn't really getting a lot of opportunity. And then I found over time when I kept having more jobs in user research that, you know, the, the sort of re research work that I can do with an ample, um, it was just giving me access to, to things that I might not necessarily have access to in my job, whether it's like different types of user research methods that I, you know, we wouldn't be able to experiment with or, you know, trying like getting a new like technology platform to, you know, working with different types of, you know, folks that we're supporting, like, for example, you know, working with folks with lived experience with homelessness um, and being able to like connect with people I wouldn't normally be able to connect with within my life and going and observing and, and having conversations with folks um, 
and and feeling like you know you're not you know like sure that you're getting like really helpful information to improve your product, but you're getting to meet with people and connect with people on the human level as well. Yeah, so it's like kind of taking away the monetary expectation where you could just be present. And it also sounds like a little bit experimental in how you can try new things out and work things differently in your brain. And that's the value that you're getting from the volunteering, less so of, I need to make a certain amount. It's just you're getting good connections. You're getting different ways of thinking that's ultimately helping you at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the times, like I would walk into my job afterwards and like I would have learned that method or I would have learned something new or, you know, I would have been, you know, it was like we would get, you know, a new tool or, you know, a new method that we're going to do. And I'm like, you know, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll familiarize myself. I'll, you know, I'll, you know, see, you know, I'll use kind of like I've got the ample world that I can be in. And, and so they, you know, it's a situation where like, both both kind of sides benefited um, because I was able to get able to get kind of continuous experience, but at the same time, the people that I like my employers were also able to benefit from the experience that I was getting on top of it. So it was kind of like that whole like you get to practice on both sides. Exactly, you practice with more constraints, but then when you let your freedom run, you could get a whole lot more of ideation and just growing your stretches of your limitations of imagination too. Awesome. I want to go back to an earlier point that you that you spoke about. So with Ample Labs and with the mentorship that you do, you mentioned parts of yourself um, really looking at helping others and building others. Is that how you would define your personal brand or is there another area of it that hasn't been uncovered from that? already i'd say like that's something like i care and focus a lot on is the where i get the greatest level of satisfaction and it's also something where like the aspects around um helping others in, in inclusion uh to get my master's in inclusive design so I, I do care about um being able to support other people in an inclusive context mm -hmm. um you know i think you know, principally because of the fact that I, I do believe that technology uh, and, and obviously like the role that we play as technologists, um, we are better off by embracing diversity and, and having, you know, a wider reflection of society reflected in the technology industry. Um, I think that's absolutely essential. Um, I know this obviously through my experience with with actually working through Ample, um, when you're working with socially marginalized groups, having people who are the researchers that people can identify with um, and relate to um, makes for better findings and, and better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So it's really embracing a lot of those people that aren't really, quote unquote, mainstream or aren't really the ones that are always getting seen. But I just want to explore that a little bit more and just like kind of get a definition that the audience could understand of what you mean by diversity and like marginalized groups. What, how would you explain that to us so we could better understand what you mean by it? Yeah, I think diversity can, 
can kind of come in, in many kind of attributes. Um, thinking about folks in terms of ability, um, thinking about folks that have like lived experience of homelessness, that, that, that is something that's, that's really important. Um, looking at things like gender uh, and race uh, and really thinking about representation and making sure that you do wind up having, you know, good representation of the folks that you're, you know, that we're trying to support in the population and then making sure that the people who are actually supporting those people are representative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another bit around it is also around the, the pay it forward side too, um, which is, you know, there's a lot of times in my life where I wouldn't have gotten to where I, I've got if it wasn't for, you know, someone really going out of the way to support me. Um, you know, one of my primary, um, my, you know, major mentor, for example, um, who's absolutely phenomenal and spent so much time, uh, and, you know, really focused on helping me grow and become a researcher, um, is, the, is a fantastic woman of color. Uh, and, you know, she helped me time and time again and gave me the support and attention. And I look at it as, as it's really, I do see it as an opportunity to pay it forward, especially if it's talking about like supporting and encouraging people of color in technology. I think it's, it's something that needs to happen, but I also think it's, it's something that we, we also benefit from. Uh, and so if I can do, you know, any sort of way to contribute to that, um, and, and that includes taking time out of my week to do it, um, then to me, it's, it's completely worth my, my, you know, worth every minute that I spend. Yeah. And I see that reflected in a lot of the objectives that you do. Um, I looked at you for mentorship, even though, um, like I'm, I'm black and you're white. If we like say it like that, then it's just like, oh yeah, look at mentorship. But just because, um, you're white and you're male doesn't mean that I couldn't learn from you. And I'm really glad that you had a mentor because some of that knowledge is trickling down to me, even though it's, even though it may be a bit broken telephone because we could never really get it <laughs> funneled the exact way. But I like the idea that you're presenting that mentorship could come from anywhere. And as long as somebody's willing to mentor, we should be supporting and praising that regardless of their skin color, creed, race, gender, anything of that sort. And anybody of, and anybody's opinion on something is definitely important no matter how they identify. That's what like I'm kind of understanding based on what you said with personal brand and how you look at things and even how you move forward with your own mentorship. Exactly. And I, I think it, it is something that we also have to look at this wider, you know, this, the wider argument within tech, which I see is, is that, you know, the more experienced, um, that you get, like, the better you'll do. Um, but at the same time, you've got a lot of people who are starting out, um, who don't have the experience and don't have the opportunities. Um, you know, and especially in the pandemic where you've got, you know, people graduating from school, you know, they have no opportunities, there's employment, um, you know, and, and I, there's a lot of people, you know, that will be like, oh, this is really horrible, you know, that, you know, this unemployment happening and, you know, 
you know, the key thing we know is, is that, you know, what helps secure a job is experience and, and support and someone explaining to you kind of how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, but people not going out of their way to actually uh, do anything about it. And I remember I I'd actually, we were actually at a talk and I think I was talking about um, diversity and mentorship uh, and you know, having that talk and then trying to encourage people to um, become mentors uh, and mentor other people. And I remember finishing that talk and, you know, there was like a gigantic lineup of people who wanted to be my mentor. And I mean, it was, it was humbling, but it also was a little bit, you know, overwhelming because uh, you know i'm i'm one person uh and you know i can i can spend you know i sometimes i spend like 10 15 hours a week mentoring mm-hmm. um you know but we need more people doing it and it needs to be i do think it needs to be something that we try and go out of our way um to build a culture and technology where we we do spend time mentoring um and it's not just in a, a strictly professional context where mm-hmm. it's a manager mentoring someone, you know, on the clock, it's it's like spending a little bit of your time to be able to support people because it is by far of everything I do in my career, um, it is the thing that gives me the greatest joy. Nice. That's really good to know because everything else is connected with that mentorship because I can imagine even as a chief experience officer, you're trying to help people understand the needs and concerns of the group that you're trying to help. So you're in a way mentoring them and getting them to really understand, okay, this is what we need to know. This is what you need to know about yourself when coming into these situations. How do we make sure everything is copacetic? For lack of a better word, that's the one that came to my head, where make sure everything is aligned with each other. Exactly. I mean, And mentorship, you know, experiencing and practicing mentorship will go into your communication skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's something that it helps you get people onboarded to projects. It helps people in terms of facilitating understanding. Um, It's a muscle, but, you know, it's a muscle that's well, if well exercised, makes just communicating and working with people easier too. Yeah. And going off of mentorship, we know... Not everybody is meant to be mentored by you or to mentor you. So just like based off of your personal brand, um, who may or may not love you as a mentor or a mentee? I think it's important to set those boundaries or like at least have an understanding. (laughs) I'd say, well, as a a mentee, I I typically like, um, you know, I like breaking things down. I, I like structure um, in terms of like what our, our goals are. Um, I, I generally like having regular touch points. So someone who likes to just like talk infrequently to me, I <laughs> don't think would uh, would find me rather uh, rather a little too focused. I'm much more of a like, you know, at this time every week or every two weeks, you know, we're going to sit down and review your progress to date. What are your goals? You know, what do we want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what do we want to get you to achieve? So that that's very much my style. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who are very like, you know, 
like to kind of you know, pop by once in a while, probably um, would find that a little bit difficult. <laughs> um, as a mentor, I think the big thing for me is just I, I tend to focus a lot on like obviously like you know if you're I'm supporting several people at once. Um, I, I really like people who are who are more in terms of like understanding like when they're available and like you know being able to like you know share a time like I have this you know I have a link that I send out people now it's connected to my calendar where they can book a session and mm-hmm. you know like that that to me I like it because it really kind of it really makes it um, it lowers the barrier for when I want to have contact whereas mm-hmm. you know you got people who are, are more like you know, drop a line whenever um, it can be easy uh, it's definitely very welcoming but it can be kind of like easy to forget yeah and it's hard to really structure anything off of that because you're spending so much time booking and chasing and all of that and it's just not just like actually looking into the meat of things <laughs> with the people the problems or the solutions that you're looking to find things like that exactly and you know i i think one of the things that i've learned from the pandemic is that there's certain things that i um that, that really kind of connect with me and I can move easily with. And there's certain things that I just recognize that it's a pain point. Like, you know, having endless back to back, you know, just back and forth discussions around logistics, like mm-hmm. it, it can be tiring. And sometimes you're just like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to have to do this, you know? And, and the cool thing, the key thing is to remove those barriers in the experience because what you want to do is, is have the person focused on the excitement of, of talking to the person next, not the kind of, you know, thinking about the the kind of logistics. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I'm somebody that personally doesn't like the logistics of things. I wish I could automatically have my calendar filled with all my guests, but I know exactly what you mean. Like having that structure really makes it and be like, okay, we talked about it, set a date. Okay, we can relax. Once I discovered the Calendly book me function mm-hmm. was like a game changer because after that point, it's like, here's the link. <laughs> everyone's like, amazing. It's like, that's all you have to do. Find a time that works for you. Click enter and we're meeting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Calendly sounds like a very fantastic idea just to make sure it's easier for them to book because we don't have to go through the Google structure and yeah, everything's synced. So I'll look into that. Great advice. Um, so I'm going to look to switch gears a little bit. And we talked about a lot of what you do, what your personal brand is, but one thing I think people don't really hear enough of is like a little bit of the more negative things or like where we could start exploring like why that was the case. Like, I would really like to know, was there ever a point in your life where you felt like you could be exposed as a fraud in what you were doing, either if it was career-wise or what you were doing as your hobbies or like who you are as a personal brand? Has there ever been a time where you felt like, I'm not consistent who I want to be and I could be exposed as a fraud? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, as I've, you know, historically had a lot of issues managing anxiety, you know, and, you know, being someone that has had really high levels of anxiety and perfectionism, um, 
imposter syndrome is like hand in glove. Mm. You know, you, you know, between your your feeling of what you're doing isn't good enough, mixed with your fear of rejection and failure, um, creates that perfect storm of feeling like you're going to crash and burn uh, in front of everyone else and that people are going to doubt your abilities. Um, and it's something that I faced for all throughout like my schooling. Um, and then I came like, like a stowaway. It just came with me into my career and wreaked havoc on my life. Oh man. In what ways that's, I think the big thing for me is, is like, um, you know, it manifested in just like chronic overwork. You know, I would work way beyond, um, what I needed to. And, you know, when I got praise, which I would get, um, it, instead of, you know, giving me that signal to ease off, it gave me the single that I can't like let up fail. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know so it meant to me like working like insane hours um you know and and like my personal life really you know it came at a cost of my personal life and it came eventually to a cost of my mental health because you know you'd be working you know 60 hours in your job um to do things and mm -hmm. you know over time like something is going to give and it's either going to be your mind or it's going to be your body and and for me actually it, it actually turned into where i've noticed it was actually my body mm -hmm. yeah i think that's one of the things especially what you said about when you are working hard and then you get praise for it being able to take a step back is always is sometimes the hardest part to do. And it comes at the expense of like the physical manifestations where you're just like, you're just not comfortable anymore. You can't sit easy. You can't sleep easy. You are just constantly worried and tense within your life of being like, I have to keep up this pace. This pace is what I set and this is what I have to keep up. And I think that's, that's something that I identify with a lot. And I could see that it's something that I could imagine multiple people. And it comes from, you mentioned like a perfectionism and things like that, where it seems like it's so easy to get into that snowball. I could call it, I could think of it just as like the anxiety snowball until it becomes an avalanche. And then you're just sitting there like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, and how did you, how did you manage that? How did you how do you look towards managing that? How is it not being a force that's controlling your life every day um, where you can't be able to do your work or enjoy things that you do at Ample Labs? I think there I mean there's a kind of two in my case, like there's two things, well, three things that kind of started manifesting that changed my relationship. Um I think one is, is like, you know, that, that level of stress and pressure that and anxiety that you feel, um, that, you know, comes from imposter syndrome, um, you know, it, it winds up creating a, a negative feedback loop, you know, because you feel like you're going to be 
caught, found out that, you know, people are going to be like, oh, you're, you know, like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's just like, you know, you know, you, you say great things and then you can't deliver on what you say or like, oh, I thought this was going to be done properly, you know, and it, it's not. And therefore, you don't know anything and you're not a researcher and you got too far. You you failed upwards. And, you know, these are all these things that kind of happen. And then mm-hmm. the compensatory behaviors is like to be perfect and to have no flaws. Um, and in my case, um, you know, it, it led to me having like a little bit of, I get heartburn. I get, I get stressed out you know, have bad habits and eat bad things, they get heartburn. You know, like I noticed that, you know, like a heartburn got, um, you know, it got worse and then I would, you know, have to go on medication and got better and then it get worse and I would go on medication and then it got to the point where it just kind of took over my life. I got completely sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, I, I kind of like, I, I was not, I was in denial. And then, um, when you know my dad got diagnosed with with cancer um like uh, stage four cancer and like that kind of like hit me um you know and it kind of it took over my life um but it also started changing my perception on work which is suddenly i'm going to work um you know i have to deal with my dad having chemo and, you know, my dad wanted to have surgery and I was like dealing with him, working with him, like, you know, hospital and visiting him and supporting him and, you know, then going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly like my relationship with my work changed because, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't as afraid uh, of what I was delivering because I then suddenly looked at what I was delivering was like the best I could, I could have given the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the, the pandemic happened, you know, um, a few months after that, you know, like three months after my father, um, gets, you know, released and he's, uh, you know, from, from the hospital and, and then suddenly, you know, it becomes this thing around now everyone's suffering, um, and, you know, everyone's not adjusting well and, you know, everyone is suddenly feeling socially isolated and, you know, there's this kind of like paralyzing anxiety. Um, and, you know, they're going to be found out because, you know, they're working from home and they're, they're, they're not, you know, as focused as they think they are. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, I, it's interesting because like for me, like I just had to deal with this a few months earlier with my dad, you know, being extremely sick and being with him in the hospital, like, mm-hmm. all, you know, into the, you know, into the night and then literally coming to work, um, the next day. And it was kind of looking at that experience being like, yeah, it's just going to do your best. Like everyone's in a trauma state. Like, like mm-hmm. this is, no one is healthy. Um, and, and you just got to, to live your life. But the other part of it too is, is like, I also, it's interesting. I was having a conversation about a job being stressed stressful and I was like you know I I just I was talking to my dad and I was like you know I just I don't I don't know if this is like a situation where I would I would want to get cancer from it like you know mm-hmm. and then my dad was like what do you mean it's like well just I don't know if this is really like something I want to get cancer over. like no role nothing to do with work is worth getting cancer from you know mm-hmm. none of it and then 
you know, when I told me that, I was like, yeah, yeah, he's right, you know, and and he's coming from someone who, you know, had a lot of those flakes of, you know, like the same, you know, really heavily focused relationship with work, um, you know, and that really like working extremely hard, extremely long hours. Um, but then I get to see the side of it where he has cancer now and, and what life is like with cancer, um, or at least the cancer he has and, and saying, yeah, there, there is definitely more to life. And, you know, you have to, to focus on what I think the, the real focus is, is which is like the interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. uh, um, and supporting people because, you know, that's for me at least is, is where I wind up, my anxiety levels wind up dropping and I feel more comfortable is when I'm like finishing the day being like, at least I can help someone. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And prayers go out to your family with what your father's going through right now. And I just wanted to know, um, cause it sounds to me a bit that you're, perspective on success changed with this recent experience that you went through would you say that's a fair assessment totally totally you know i was very much into like i want you know i'm ambitious i want to you know you know there's i look at the organizational chart and i'm like you know the next goal is you know two years it's you're here and then in four years you're here and then like oh eventually you wind up in like the vp or the you know the senior executive role Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's really where I want to go, you know. And you know, I, I think one of the things that it's really changed for me is just—I mean, those roles do come with more responsibility for sure. But it's also around looking at, you know, my dad, who's been very devoted to his career, you know, and you know, he's in his fifties now, um, and having to go through having cancer and then suddenly being like is this really what i want like what what actually brings me joy is it accomplishment um and is it even my own accomplishment or is it you know being able to to enjoy watching the people i support accomplish things and i actually recognize over time you know like i remember when you actually got your job and like I was over the moon. Like I was just like I don't know, it felt like winning the lottery. It's just like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like this is like a dream that you were working on and you know, like I was supporting you in and this is something you're focused on and then you went and you achieved it. And you know, like that's something I you know, I get to like for me, like look back on and be like, I played a part in helping you get there. And that to me matters more than you know what title i get Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like less so much chasing the dream that you thought to be the absolute dream even though it might have been negatively affecting you to go and chase a dream that you know by helping raising others you're finding a sense of fulfillment that you weren't able to get from just chasing the titles and the money or that aspect of life. Exactly. You know, and I found, especially when I have gone through periods where like, 
I've encountered a challenge. Um, you know, I mean, I found it, it's been wonderful because, you know, I get to the people that have supported me, like when I need, when I need someone, they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like a little, like a community of people that are, are that, you know, are, are there for me. And I, I just I trust them implicitly that, you know, if, if I, if I, for whatever reason, fall, there's a whole bunch of people there to support me. Um, and, you know, and in a pandemic, that's really hard um, mm -hmm. to, to really get that, that sense. And, you know, for me, it's actually nice because I still like I'm actually even in the pandemic, like I'm meeting people. I'm meeting new people and I'm getting a chance to know them. Um, and, and that's a, it's really hard to meet, you know, a bunch of new people, <laughs> you know, when you can't go inside your home. Um, but I feel like that, that my work has, has led me into that space where I do have the option of doing it and, you know, having the excitement of watching someone create something and grow and evolve and, and to be able to, to play a part, you know, and do it in a constructive way, um, you know, where I'm not just, yay, go you sort of thing. Like, it's like, okay, what do you actually need? How, who can I put you in touch with? Like, what actual resources do you need? You know, do you need me to teach you something? Like, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What can you use me to do to help get those goals? Um, that has been great. And then watching people kind of flourish in that model. Uh, which is something that I'm actually also really excited in is because it's like, I do have like a, at this point, like a routine of onboarding and how to get things structured and, you know, seeing re, you know, as a researcher, seeing reproducible results, uh, is also exciting. Yeah, that's great. Especially when you have so many people that are looking to you for mentorship or get referred to you to have something that you can provide consistent benefits too and persistent consistent ways of them growing it's always great and i know like the work that i work did with you a lot early on was very helpful to my own career and i still look to you we still have regular meetings i have it in your calendar book <laughs> and i think i think one area that people neglect um and just speaking to you in this conversation is just making me think about it is mentor somebody you you always have a chance to know something more than somebody else and help them reach another level that you haven't and especially during this time when we're locked down for x amount of weeks x amount of months it's a way to make yourself feel less isolated and also make yourself feel like you're still growing and I think that's very important within your own growth and your own understanding of what success means, because you could see variance in how people view success. And you may not have to work long hours and burn yourself out for a goal that doesn't really align with you or things like that. And I think that's that's like kind of like what I'm getting from it and like summarizing in my head of like, yeah, that's a good message for me to take back. Of just keep giving back, as you said earlier. and you'll receive through giving <laughs> even though you, know, you might not know and you know another good point is just like i read i was reading a study um it was, it was around like social media engagement in the pandemic and 
where people felt stress. And then it was, it was actually one of the things that they're referencing was actually group chats cause people stress, like this <laughs> feeling the pressure of having to immediately reply. Um, you know, and I, I do see that with, oh, especially in the pandemic where people are like, it's really hard though, you know, to, to connect with people, you know, because, you know, people are spending a lot of time, you know, on the infinite scrolls of, you know, your Instagram and Facebook page, and you are interacting with people, you know, digitally. Um, you know, I think part of the things that keeps me kind of stable is, is like my, my mentorship, I prefer to do like either in person or on the phone or, you know, through video chat, but it's, it's one on one. It's just them. It's just me. And we are talking and we've devoted you know, an hour of our time to each other, um, with no distractions. Uh, and I feel psychologically better, you know, when I look at, you know, messages, um, you know, I, I'm like the, not the textiest person in the, the world. <laughs> and I can see it in my unopened messages. Um, but it's more to do with the fact that I, I often find your tension winds up divided and then you don't really get that, that deep, you know, relational understanding of another person that you do get when you dedicate, you know, half an hour, an hour to just them and, and just you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of keeps me together because I do find like, you know, I, I find when I look at the endless flurry of personal messages that I get, I don't, I find them stressful, but I don't find I get that, that part. It's like, if it's like food, like, you know, sending a Slack message is like giving someone a piece of cotton candy. Like it's sweet, but then it just dissolves in your mouth and you walk away and you forgot you even ate it in the first place mm -hmm. versus giving someone that dedicated time, especially if it's focused on like, you know, doing something constructive, like, you know, you know, actually taking that hour out of your day to help someone, you know, it feels like you're eating a, you know, like a hearty meal that will, you know, keep you satiated for a much longer time period. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that note. I think it was a very great example and to stay connected, stay with people. And I could understand the feeling of group settings. I can't do it. That's why we're having a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. We nobody's ever involved. If somebody comes, one of our partners come, we're like, "Hey, hi!" And it is back to focus. So, I definitely understand that, and I do appreciate these conversations more than big group ones where people are talking over each other. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed that segment where we were able to talk to you and get to know a little bit more about you, and now want to transition to the rapid fire segment where we get your we get your nuggets of of knowledge the Jordy nuggets of knowledge really quickly so it could help somebody else really understand where do they go from here or how do they look at things so the first question is what is one attribute that has contributed to your success slash growth oh um i think it's connection it's i like having I like connecting with people in a kind of like a deeper way and like really getting to know them. Um, that I think that's something that's helped me 
it's helped me as a researcher because it helps me understand getting context of the people and their motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me in my friendships and relationships because it means I actually get to know people, who they are, how they engage with, and it always gives you an opportunity, something to kind of unpack and explore. Awesome. And who has been a great inspiration on your life? Oh, oh, this is an easy one. Uh, so Sambavi, uh, my advisor, uh, she's currently a manager at Desire to Learn. Um, she's like the template for like mentoring people for me. Like she constantly gives her time to people and takes the time out of her day um, to to support people. Uh, and that's kind of who I learned it from. Uh, was was really Zambavi. So definitely uh, my major inspiration and where I kind of take, I, I, I try and kind of emulate in terms of my approach to people. Awesome. That's great. And don't everybody go and message her all at once. <laughs> She's only one person. Um, who has been your biggest cheerleader for your success? My biggest cheerleader? Well, I mean, obviously, my my mentor and uh, Zimbabwe, uh, I'd say is, probably, yeah, no, I mean, she just posted a giant piece on LinkedIn about my work, so <laughs> I'd say biggest mentor, also biggest cheerleader. Awesome, that's really great. What you person in your corner helping you grow is also there, less cheering the loudest. What's one lie you had to stop telling yourself? one lie that I have to stop telling myself um, that the I needed to change who I was to be successful and and that you know the the qualities that I had that you know I thought were not you know the, weren't going to succeed you know like I needed to like be more the successful people were you know more focused, less empathetic. They made the hard choices. You know, they, you know, they were more analytical, less emotional, um, you know, that, which is exactly the opposite of me, which is very, you know, open, um, you know, very connection focused, you know, very focused on empathy um, and finding that actually that approach has, over time actually led to to more success than than to try and change who I was as a person. Great. And what is a hobby that you do outside of work that keeps you grounded? I am a big photography nut. Um, I love photography. I mean, I just, I got in, my, I, my phone was purchased for photography of mine. Um, it's, it's something I really like because um, it helps me connect to the design side of me. Um, you know, I did I did do my master's in design, um, and I, I don't really get a chance to do much design. Um, so it's nice for me because it helps me like think about the principles of design and how I want the you know that what I choose to be photographed, how I want to convey the photograph, um, how I want it. You know, if I need to change the photograph to to better suit that my design goal um, and using design thinking to do it, it kind of keeps those skills um, from atrophying. Um, and at the same time, I get something kind of cool that I can communicate with people too. Great. 
And what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received um, is really about learning how to fail. Someone was like, you need to like learn how to fail properly. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, failure? <laughs> Why would you say that? But it, it really is around like learning to kind of like approach it from a healthy mindset um, and, and to, to kind of learn from it and, and not wind up internalizing it and then creating anxiety. Um, I think having a healthy relationship with failure, which is something I've really, you know, is something I've really prioritized this year, um, has really helped me reduce a lot of that anxiety that I get, um, which fuels a lot of that, that feeling of like insufficiency. Um, you know, that is kind of the pillars of that imposter syndrome is like resting on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's helped me kind of feel more freedom because, you know, if things happen and they don't work, um, that's okay. You know, because you're going to learn from that. And if you, if you can't fail properly, you're either never going to learn from your failures, um, or you're not going to put yourself in a situation in which you will fail. And eventually you will be in a situation in which you do fail. It's impossible not to, but you will have absolutely no coping strategies and mechanisms to either handle it or learn from it. Mm -hmm. And what's one book that you'd recommend? One book that I would recommend. Oh, I'm trying to think. There's something. Um, <laughs> I think for me, Who Owns the Future uh, by Jaron Latner, that book had a pretty profound effect on me actually um, reading it and thinking about like how we're going to approach um, the digital economy as it moves forward. Um, I mean, at that time, like, you know, the major players were not as rich as they are now, but around like participating um, the compensating people for their experiences and their data. Um, I thought, you know, and, and having that be a financially beneficial relationship, um, was something that really stuck with me in terms of going into user research and then looking at like, you know, how do we compensate people fairly for their time? You know, how do we have engagements where we're able to, to actually talk about the fact that, you know, you know, the best products that we build are, are products where they're participatory, um, you know, not top down. And, and how do we look at creating new models to be able to empower people to do that? Awesome. And what's one piece of parting advice that you give to the listeners? Mentor more and, and, you know, Take 2020 as an opportunity to see that, you know, we're not always going to succeed and, and that it's okay. Um, you know, it's okay that we're not our best selves. Um, but a, a key area that can really help and feel that, um, it is really just taking the time, investing in someone, listening to them and supporting it. It gets you outside of your mind uh, and you will feel 
like you're actually doing something and that you have actually you you have control over something awesome and how can the listeners best reach you best reach me um i'd say hmm that's a good one uh <laughs> i'd say probably my my email would be the best one which is it, it's i know it sounds counterintuitive but <laughs> I find, uh, especially in this world with, with LinkedIn, I get like these LinkedIn waves where like 50 people will add me at once. And then I'm a little bit, it's hard to figure out who's adding me for what. And so, uh, yeah, email. So it's just my name, Jordy. And then obviously it's going to be the podcast at <laughs> jordygram.com. Graham is G-R-A-H-A-M. Yeah. Shoot me a message there. It's probably the best. Yeah, and it'll be more creativity to make sure they know, like, what do I say to him? This is an email. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Either that or you can you can always message me on my Instagram. Uh I gonna prop with my pictures if it's it's more of a social thing, but it's Geo Blue Sky is actually my main Instagram. Um I actually do architectural photography. Nice. Um but yeah, I, I think it's not that LinkedIn isn't bad. It's just I think that uh, one of the things that I, I find about it is it's been it's like a flurry of activity, uh, and it, it's always one of those things where if it's a connection component where it's like people want to chat, um, it's always like choose the environment. It's like I'd rather meet in the nice cafe or you know by the water than you know in the busy office building. Yeah, hundred percent. Jordy, really appreciate you coming out tonight. I learned a lot from you as I do with many of our conversations. And I just so glad that the viewers get a chance to listen to you and hear from you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Jermaine. It was a pleasure to be on. Awesome. All right. Thank you, listeners. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking the Imposter. To stay up to date when episodes are released or to become a guest on the podcast, you can visit our website at www.breakingtheimposter.com. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so we can make sure the imposter stays broken.